Al-Jazeera Podcast. South Africa's ANC is holding a leadership poll during its national conference. It's facing more scandal and bitter divisions as the economy struggles, with President Cyril Ramaphosa the center of a cash controversy. But with elections in 18 months, what's next for the ANC and South African politics? Well, let's bring in our guests now in Cape Town, Melani Furwood. She is a political analyst and former member of parliament for the ANC under President Nelson Mandela and a former ambassador to Ireland. In Johannesburg, uh, Moletsky Mbeki, chairman of the South African Institute of International Affairs, joins us. And also in Cape Town, we have Karam Singh, executive director uh, of Corruption Watch South Africa. Good to have you all with us. So, Milani Furwood, let me start with you. With all of the scandal uh, that is surrounding the ANC and, and, and President Ramaphosa, what do you expect to come out of this uh, Congress? What do you hope will happen? And are those two things the same? <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Um, I don't actually expect anything that dramatic at this stage. It, I mean, the big question for this conference is, is whether Ramaphosa will be re-elected for a second term. Um, and at this stage, nothing seems to indicate that he won't get that. So I think he's fairly safe. And then the interesting thing is then going to be who else is going to be in the top six of the national, uh, the, the, the office bearers of the ANC um, and whether they are supportive of him um, and this is, of course, important because it gives us a sense of who, whether Ramaphosa will continue to be president and also for how long he will be continue to be president. I certainly think that with all the problems, all the mistakes, all the scandals, as you rightly point out, um, despite all of that, I still believe that at this stage, Ramaphosa is the best of all the candidates available inside the ANC. Um, the question now only remains then for how long would he then still remain president and at which stage would he um, hopefully in a peaceful and orchestrated manner hand over to uh, presumably Paul Mashatile, who will be the deputy president, according to everything we can see at this stage. Moletsky and Becky, is that how you see it? Uh, yes, I tend to think that uh, Melanie is correct, that Cyril Ramaphosa will get re-elected as president of the ANC and he will continue <coughs> as president of the country. But of course, there are still uh, investigations that are being carried out by state organs uh, about the, the, the foreign currency that was found on his, on his private farm. So obviously, if uh, he is found guilty on that score, he cannot continue as president. Uh, I think, though, there are many people who can replace him. Uh, I don't think there's anyone in this world who who, who is who cannot be replaced. Karam uh, Singh, let's let's pick up on those the, the investigations, uh, uh, such as they are, that are going on around Ramaphosa right now and this uh, scandal over his over his finances. Do you expect those investigations to be to be credible and and, and to lead to anything? Um, I've got no, we've got no reason to believe that they wouldn't be credible. Um, I mean, the first hurdle was an independent panel that was appointed by parliament to, to assess whether the President Ramaphosa had a case to answer. 
and should face an impeachment inquiry. That report came, came out and said, yes, he did have a case to answer, but uh, Parliament voted down the, the acceptance of that report and then through that sort of closed down the impeachment process. But there is an ongoing police investigation. There's an ongoing investigation from the South African ombudsperson, the public protector. And, uh, you know, these investigations could... Uh, uh, could uncover uh, uh, criminal wrongdoing, uh, uh, certainly ethical wrongdoing, uh, and you know will scrutinize the president's conduct. So there's still yeah there's still a little bit of a, a, a gamut that he has to that he has to go through uh, uh, you know to, about these you know quite serious allegations that emerged about his private business dealings. Uh, Milani, there is a, a question here as to whether the ANC, with all of this. Uh, allegations of corruption that have been swirling around them, not just over uh, the current president, but his predecessor and his predecessor before that. There is a sense that the ANC it, it has lost its way to the extent that it, it faces a, a credible threat of, of losing power. Is that how you see it? Well, undoubtedly, the ANC has lost a lot of support, even in terms of their own membership. It was just revealed in the last few hours that their membership went down from, I think, 1.4 million five years ago to about 600,000 um, now, currently. So undoubtedly, the ANC has lost a lot of support. The only question is whether they this will be reflected in 2024 and to what extent it will be reflected at the next general election, which, as I said, is in 2024. Um, you know, and there, there are lots of speculations. And part of the reason, of course, why I don't believe the ANC will be totally annihilated, they will still be the majority party. The only question is, you know, how much will it be? How much will they have? Will it be under 50%? And if it is under 50% of the support, will how far under 50? And part of the reason, as I started saying, that, that I don't believe that they will be totally um, annihilated and will remain the majority party is because the opposition is extremely fragmented and weak. Um, and thus, even though with all the frustrations, all the lack of service delivery, the problems we have in terms of our electricity provision at the moment, the corruption issues, as you rightly point out, um, all of those things, yes, they will make a dent in the ANC support. The only question is how much. And, and the interesting thing that we saw with our local government elections about two years ago is that the traditional ANC supporters did not move to another party to a large extent. There were some exceptions, but very little. They, they actually just didn't come out to vote. So, um, and that impacts, of course, quite a lot on our proportional proportional voting system that we have in this country. So, to ensure to say yes, they have definitely lost support. I'm sure this will be reflected in the national election unless they can seriously pull their act together in the next two years or so. Um, but I do believe that they'll stay the majority party. The only question is whether it will be an outright majority over fifty percent. Uh, Moleski and Becky, given the, the dominance. Uh, that the ANC has had in, in South African politics in the, in the post-apartheid era. How much of a dent do you think this will, this will put in their popularity and in the election, uh, uh, 2024 election going forward? Well, the, the 2024 elections are still a long way away, uh, up to 18 months away. So I think it's a bit, it's a bit premature to, to predict uh, election outcomes that are coming uh, in 18 months' time. Yes, the ANC is the largest single party in South Africa, but at the end of the day, it's whether it gets 50% plus one, 
for it to to rule the gov uh, the country on its own, or it will need uh, it will need whether it will need coalition partners to rule the country. What has been happening though in the last five years, as has been pointed out, is that the ANC, the traditional vote of the ANC, a big part of it is the black working class in the major metropolitan uh, metropoles uh, are not are staying at home and not voting for the ANC. They are not voting for the opposition either. But in that situation, uh, the opposition benefits under our, our electoral system. Kadam Singh, if we talk more specifically about uh, the, the, this particular scandal uh, itself, the, 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 ca the so-called cash in the sofa scandal, as, it, as it's been uh, called, um, does, does uh, the president's explanation for this stand up to scrutiny, uh, as, as knowing, what, knowing what, what you know right now? Well, you know, up, up to this point, the president really hasn't given a full public disclosure about what happened. So we have sort of piecemeal uh, uh, pieces of information, uh, uh, representations of, uh, uh, of the president's story as were presented to the independent panel. So, you know, it really remains to be seen uh, um, exactly what happened. What did the president know? Uh, uh, was there an attempted cover up? You know, I mean, I think it is important to note that the allegations, uh, you know, of this matter emerge from uh, an implicated a spy boss, uh, someone that was implicated quite heavily in the State Capture Commission of Inquiry. So the origins of the allegations come from a suspect source. But, you know, we do know that the president has not fully divested himself from his personal business dealings. And there are basic facts that we have in place, such as the fact that the president received a large sum of cash in foreign uh, foreign denomination, which he didn't bank. You know, and, and that really is a red flag for the types of corruption challenges that we face in South Africa, challenges around uh, a, a, an economy which is vulnerable to things like money laundering and illicit financial flows. Uh, and, and, you know, the types of allegations the president's facing really are the types of red flags that you see in a scenario where, uh, you know, almost where you're, you're looking at kind of an organized, organized crime type of scenario. So the president must overcome these issues. Uh, I share the, the concerns of the fellow panelists in terms of the bona fides of the other leadership within the ANC who, who may uh, uh, come in, in, in this president's wake. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the ANC will have a, a, a tough case to sell the, the, the general public ultimately about its stewardship uh, in the fight against corruption. Milani Furwood, what's your take on, on the specific uh, uh, allegations here and the president's defense of it? I think there can be no doubt, as Karam correctly said, that the initial um, complaint and allegations are politically driven. Um, there is no question about that. Um, but the question then arises, or the questions arise, to what extent um, there were some um, 
little bits of truth in 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 these uh, in these allegations um and we'll have to wait and see you know the, if everybody has mentioned um that there are still ongoing investigations um from also from our revenue service and also our reserve bank to to check whether there have been any um big mistakes made and our presidents have said that if he any charge is laid against him he will step aside he will resign um, and i do actually believe that um so we really have to wait and see. Um, I, I don't know if Moletzi will agree with me on this, but personally, I do not believe that this is a, a president that is inherently corrupt. Um, I also don't think he's stupid, that he will deliberately have made, you know, hidden money from the Reserve Bank or hidden money from our revenue services. Um, he's rich enough. The amount is not um, that significant within his context of, of wealth. Um, so I... I I, they might have been, in my view, they might have been some mistakes of oversight um, and of negligence, but I'm not, I'm, I'm yet to be convinced that this was a deliberate attempt by the president to commit fraud or to, um, to, to, com to commit a crime by not declaring money or, or not banking it in time. Well, let's see if Maletzi does agree with you. What's your take on this, Maletzi? Well, well, I'm inclined to think it wasn't money wasn't his uh, personally for him. Um, it, it was probably uh, going to the ANC. Uh, how it ended up on his farm and all those issues, I don't know. Um, but really, it's, uh, I'd rather not speculate on this matter because we just don't have enough information. Uh, there is this Sudanese a uh, gentleman who says he bought uh, wild buffaloes from the president's farm uh, for 580,000 US dollars. It's still not clear how he knew that the president was selling 20 buffaloes. Uh, and it's still not clear how much, how did he know that that, that how much 20 buffaloes were, were going to be selling, sold for. So this, my own suspicion is that it had, and the buffaloes, by the way, which were bought nearly three years ago, are still on the president's farm. They have not been taken to, the, to Sudan uh, or wherever uh, this gentleman wanted to take these buffaloes to. So you spent 400 to $580,000 uh, buying animals. Uh, admittedly, Mr. Hakim, the Sudanese is called Mr. Hakim. He says in his world, uh, $580,000 is peanuts. So I guess uh, it doesn't matter that his buffaloes are still in South Africa three years later. <laughs> but then why go to the trouble of buying them if, if you are not going to take them away? So. You know, I, like I said, I think this is a story for the investigators uh, until the president and the investigators tell us what, the, the real story. I think we can spend all day speculating. Uh, let me get your take on this, uh, Karam Singh. Regardless of, of what happens out of this particular investigation, there are those who say that uh, over the years the ANC... Corrupt, corruption, allegations of corruption uh, have dogged the ANC to such an extent now that it's, it's, it's become almost the norm. Is, is this 
something that the, the, that could really affect them long term. That this is something that that they really that they really need to shake off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the the, the ANC has been the governing party uh, since 1994, when South Africa had its first uh, uh, democratic elections. It oversaw the establishment of the the constitution and democratic governance in South Africa. But since that time, we've seen the kind of the creeping shadow of endemic corruption. We saw grand corruption very early on in South Africa's democracy with the, with the arms deal, and and then we saw sort of at least 10 years of state capture uh, for which we've just completed a, a, a long judicial commission of inquiry. All of that happened on the ANC's watch. If you look into the, the details of the Zondo Commission's report into state capture, the complicity of the ANC, and it's not just Jacob Zuma, it's a leadership prior to Jacob Zuma, and we've seen you know, significant uh, grand corruption scandals uh, since Jacob Zuma left the scene. So this is the ANC's legacy. This is uh, what the ANC goes to the polls on. Uh, and, you know, we've already spoken about other issues such as, um, you know, declining uh, services and the challenges of building a, a capable developmental state. So, um, you know, the, the, it, it, it's feeding ground for opposition parties to, 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 to put a different uh, uh, a case to the, to the electorate. But as, as the, you know, the panelists have said, the likelihood is that the ANC will still remain a majority party, possibly below 50%, and we could be moving into an, an era of coalition government. And perhaps that, that, that will be sufficient to, to shift the, the political uh, uh, narrative, uh, you know, towards... A, a more kind of coherent, appointed, uh, and dedicated fight against corruption. Up to this point, we've really been dealing with the wake of state capture and trying to revitalize institutions like the Revenue Service right. and the prosecuting authority that were really hobbled. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a window of opportunity, but uh, it all, all still needs to happen. Let's talk a little bit more then about some of the some of the issues beyond corruption. Then, uh, uh, Milani Furwood, um, the the. South Africa is facing some real problems right now um, as it battles with soaring commodity prices, the fallout of, uh, of the Russia's war in Ukraine, power cuts further dense uh, to an economy that's still reeling from, from the COVID-19 pandemic. Is the government properly equipped to deal with all of this? Is it handling it in the right way? Let me just first say, I think the one thing that we mustn't neglect to say is that, yes, there's been corruption in South Africa on a large scale. Uh, nobody can deny that. Um, but prior to the Zuma years, um, I mean, even the Armstead and so on, there were investigations into that and it was exposed and it was dealt with. Um, well, some of it's still being dealt with. Uh, under the Zuma years, of course, corruption did become endemic and it wasn't treated correctly and it wasn't prosecuted to the extent that it should have. And it grew to a point which was totally unacceptable. But since the Ramaphosa has been there. There has at least been attempt from his side and from the ANC's side, even though there was a lot of pushback as well from certain quarters, those who were involved, to really try and cut down on corruption um, and to really deal with the issues. So I, I just think it's important to mention that, and particularly to a foreign audience who's not always aware of the detail, the minutiae, what's going on in South Africa. In terms of the challenges that face South Africa, I mean, they are enormous. They were always enormous and they haven't reduced in South 
size they most probably have grown. Um, for example, one of the biggest problems we currently have, and that's impacting very negatively on our economy and on just social and economic welfare, is, is in general, is of course our problems with our electricity providers. Um, and those are not problems that are going to to go away quickly, and they are largely through the making of, of the ANC government. Um, so is the ANC government equipped to, to deal with it? Um, it's a bit of a yes-no answer for me. I, I, I don't know if anybody else is much better equipped to deal with it, but the challenges are huge. It's going to take time, um, and, and, and it's not something that's going to pass um, in the next few years uh, for us in South Africa. All right, well, just briefly, Maletsky and Becky, in the, in the less than a minute that we've got left, big problems in South Africa right now beyond just uh, allegations of corruption. Is, is, do you have confidence that this government can deal with it? Well, the government ha has been in power since 1994, and we are sitting on 44% unemployment in South Africa. Uh, and, has been, and as has been mentioned, the, this electricity supply, which is the backbone of employment creation, ha, has been erratic uh, for the last 15 years. The government hasn't been able to solve that problem. So the answer for me is no, I don't expect uh, the NC government will be able to solve the, the major economic problems South All Africa right. faces uh, in the coming 10 years since it couldn't solve them in the last nearly 30 years. On that note, we are going to have to leave it. Thanks very much to all three of you. Milani Forward, Maletsky Mbeki and Karim Singh. Thanks very much for being on Inside Story. I'm Hazem Seeker. You're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Nihad Elabedi, Beda Karaman and Jimmy Getahoon. Studio sound was by Ellie Hani. The program was edited by Mohammed Subhi, Lynn Nguyen, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening.